Welcome to the King's Church Warrington podcast. Inspirational teaching from our Sunday celebrations. It had been quite a week. The crowds had welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, not really understanding what he was coming into the city to do, most of them. In fact, Jesus had uh, lamented over Jerusalem, saying if only they'd known what could bring them peace, but at that point it was hidden from them. They were expecting a political or a military or a uh, governmental change for the people under Jesus, but that's not what he had in mind. And so he arrives in Jerusalem, he goes to the temple and he clears the temple and he points out that, hey, from now on, he's the connection point. He's the bit where we get to connect with the Father. It's not the temple anymore, but he is the temple. He dies and rises again and says that if he destroyed the temple, he'd rebuild it in three days. And so he points to himself and said, he is now the connection between God and people. And he'd gone through the week, sat with his disciples, talking about the end times and the unfolding of history as they sat in the temple courts and considered the huge stones that Herod had used for the building of the temple. And Jesus pointed out that, hey, they won't even stand on top of each other in the end, but what he builds would last. And then it came to the the night of the Thursday. And Jesus had wanted to have Passover with his disciples. He'd prepared that uh, ahead of time that uh, they could go and prepare a room, an upper room. And he went and he washed the disciples' feet. He arrived and no one was willing to wash feet. And as we know that the main transport of the day was either animal or on foot. And so people wore uh, shoes that would need to be taken off as you came into a meal because you'd sit down and your feet would be near to the next person who was sat next to you at the table to eat. So it was important that people's feet were washed and no one was willing to do that job. It was the lowest job. And uh, Jesus arrives for the Last Supper and there's a smell in the room and there's always a smell in the room when people won't serve. And Jesus, well, he takes some water and a towel and he kneels in front of his disciples and he begins to wash their feet. It's one of the only times I think that Jesus refers to himself with his disciples as Lord when he's kneeling in front of them washing their feet, showing what kind of a Lord he is. And Jesus is just as happy having his feet washed as he was a few weeks before um, when someone anointed his feet as he is washing feet. He's happy to serve and to be served. And he explains the significance of the Passover that his body's going to be broken, his blood's going to be shed. And then he takes his disciples out of the upper room and they walk through the city of Jerusalem that had grown, Josephus tells us, to about a million people at that time as people had come for the festival. He walks through the city streets, he walks past the temple with its embossed uh, vine above the gates and he walks down through the Kidron Valley where people would have been staying as the city was extending its boundaries right up there towards Bethany and people would have been camping to be there for Passover and Jesus walks through past the temple through the Kidron Valley maybe at that point he's saying I am the vine my father's the gardener, you're the branches, abide in me. And he makes his way to Gethsemane, where he goes to pray on the Mount of Olives, the place of crushing, where the olives were crushed and the oil was used for three things, for anointing or cosmetics, for 
cooking and for lighting and Jesus prays three times and what comes out is that devotion to the will of his father and then he's arrested the guards arrive with Judas and Jesus says why didn't you arrest me when I was in public but you come now at this point and uh, they arrest him and they lead him away and the disciples flee he's taken to the place of the chief priest the high priest and he's asked are you the Messiah the son of God and Jesus answers I am and you'll see me sat next to God in power coming back in the clouds of heaven when Jesus says this the high priest tears his clothes in horror this man's claiming to be God he must be put to death and they slap Jesus in the face and spit on him and Jesus is brought to the Roman governor Pilate the Jews can't execute anyone they need official approval and the Jewish leaders have stirred up the crowd and pressurised Pilate to put Jesus to death and as Pilate says what shall I do with Jesus to the crowd they shout crucify him crucify him Pilate feared that a riot would break out so he handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified the crucifixion was the most cruel and humiliating way to die and Jesus was brutally beaten and whipped by the Roman soldiers and then they put a sharp crown of thorns onto his head and a purple robe around his shoulders and they cried out hail king of the Jews and they laughed at him all night the Roman soldiers were there they beat him and they mocked him and in the morning they led him to a place called the skull skull hill calvary an outcrop of rock that the builders had rejected when they were cutting the stones for Herod's temple probably it was fissured rock and they'd left it and there was a cemetery nearby on the outside of the city wall and there on the stone that the builders rejected Jesus the stone that the builders rejected is crucified being nailed to a heavy wooden cross between two thieves hanging there he cries out father please forgive them they don't know what they're doing the cross shows how much God cares for us you see on that first good Friday Jesus died on the cross to pay a debt and take a punishment for the sin of you of me of all of humanity he paid a debt we couldn't pay and he suffered physically on the cross uh, the agony of crucifixion he suffered emotionally as he hung naked outside the city wall with the leaders shouting save yourself come down from the cross and we'll believe in you and at any point he could uh, have done that he could have come down from the cross he could have saved himself but he doesn't if he'd saved himself he couldn't save them and then he suffers spiritually you see the sin of the world is laid upon him the apostle Paul later describing this in Corinthians says that he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God all the punishment that sin that those things that are wrong in our lives the big things the little things the the brokenness in our world he dies and pays the price of so that we can be forgiven and we can have a relationship with God and we can be set free that's how much God loves us and at noon the darkness fills the sky as the sun is blocked out for three hours and suddenly as Jesus dies the thick curtain hanging in the temple some distance away is torn from top to bottom that t curtain separated the holy of holies from everything else it was the place where they believed that the sort of manifest presence of God was and God symbolically rips 
that from top to bottom and says we now have access to God and in that moment Jesus cries out father I give my life into your hands it is finished paid in full literally and Jesus breathes his last breath and dies and the soldiers come and they break the legs of the criminals who were crucified next to Jesus to speed up their deaths and when they found that Jesus is already dead they don't break his legs but to be sure that he is dead one of the soldiers stab him in the side with a spear and blood and water pour out the clot and the serum have separated it's an indication that Jesus was definitely dead and late on Good Friday after Good Friday Jesus body is taken down from the cross Joseph of Arimathea asks for the body and he takes it to his tomb probably one of those tombs in the disused quarry now that had been cut into the sides he wraps the body in long strips of linen cloth and he buries it in a rich man's tomb a large stone's rolled over the entrance the tomb is sealed by the Roman guards to make sure that nothing happens to the body Jesus is dead and buried early on the Sunday morning some of the women who followed Jesus went to prepare the body for burial after the tomb uh, when they arrived at the tomb they found that the stone was rolled away the soldiers were gone suddenly two angels appear and say to them why are you surprised you're looking for Jesus but he's not here he's been risen from the dead the women were excited and afraid they run to tell the disciples the amazing news and some of them Peter and John run back to the tomb to look inside for himself for themselves but Jesus wasn't there but in fact Jesus appears to his disciples many times over the next 40 days they touch him they see him they eat food with him he performs miracles Jesus reminded them of his teaching about the kingdom of God he opens their minds to understand the whole story of the scriptures that has led to and pointed to him over 500 people see him alive so why is this significant why is this most important weekend in history this most important week in history so important well first of all it gives us forgiveness the events of this week make a way for us to be forgiven you see sin that falling short of God's standards the things we do wrong the power at work within us to make us do them the things we don't do that we should do it separates us from God I'm sure you'd agree we all mess up we all need forgiveness there are no perfect people and those who think they're perfect are usually the most dangerous of all at the cross Jesus properly deals with sin he's our substitute he pays, pays a price we couldn't pay so that we could have a gift we don't deserve John Stott puts it like this the essence of sin is that we human beings substitute ourselves for God while the essence of salvation is that God substitutes himself for us we put ourselves where only God deserves to be and God puts himself where we deserve to be 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it like this God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God Jesus had no sin he committed no sin he was not in sin which means he was not distant or estranged or alienated from God he didn't have that disease he had none of the symptoms yet he becomes sin so that we could become sons 
That's not a gender thing. Jesus becomes our substitute, the one who dies on our behalf, who suffers in our place, takes all the consequences of our sin so that we can have a relationship with God. We can become uh, God's covenant family. And Christ extends his arms to welcome you. It's as if he's suspended between heaven and earth on the cross so that all that's available in heaven is now available to you when you kneel at the foot of the cross. This weekend, this week, this event of Easter gives us hope. Philippians 2 says that Jesus was actively downwardly mobile, being in very nature God. He doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or hold on to, but he humbles himself, takes the position of a servant and even dies a death on a cross. Therefore, God exalts him to the highest place and gives him the name above every name that every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus and every tongue confess that he is Lord. You see, Jesus humbles himself so that he can lift us up. He gives us hope. God wants us lifted up, but he just doesn't want us to do the lifting. If we'll humble ourselves before him, he'll lift us up. If we try to lift ourselves up and say we can do this ourselves, that'll be the humbling of us. Jesus is the name above every name. And I know at the moment there's all kinds of names that are bringing fear and concern. The name of diseases, the name of COVID-19 or coronavirus or all those things which are scurry things but Jesus name is above that and this Easter we remember that that Jesus is greater than anything that can come against us and we thank God for all of those who are working hard in our NHS in schools those key workers co-workers uh, care workers military volunteers all the people who are those people who are serving us at this time we thank them and are grateful for the work they're doing and we remember that Jesus' name is above all names. Easter tells us that not even death can separate us from the love of God. He conquers death. They put him in a tomb and he rises again. And Romans 8 tells us that now there's nothing in all creation that could ever separate us from the love of God. I had the privilege of being a friend of mine's 70th birthday party, Barry, who's an absolute legend in King's Church. And Barry... Um, is, has been suffering from cancer and Barry said something at his 70th birthday he said he was he said it's right I, I'm, I'm very unwell and one of two things could happen I could either be healed or I could go to be with Jesus I can't lose because Barry knows the power of the resurrected Jesus in his life death even the name death is not more powerful than the name Jesus. What a hope we have, not only for this life, but also on into eternity. The events of that first Easter week, that Easter weekend, the death and resurrection of Jesus, bring us not only forgiveness and hope, but they bring freedom. They give us the offer of forgiveness and the offer of freedom because Jesus won an amazing victory at the cross. He now sets us free from things that would keep us trapped. It's no accident that the events of that first Easter weekend happened on the Hebrew feast of Passover, a time when the Hebrew people remembered that they'd been slaves in Egypt and God had intervened and set them free. They're no longer slaves because of the activity of God, they're free people. The Passover was a picture in history pointing to the significance of what Jesus would do in his death and resurrection. The victory won by Jesus 
is not only for the people there present, but for all of us, if we choose to access it. So the battle has been fought and won, and our great champion steps into the fray, fought the enemies and won. Colossians 2, 13-14, Paul writes these words. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He cancelled the written code with its regulations that were against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The early church fathers said that God outwitted Satan at the cross. C.S. Lewis shows it when the Snow Queen is outwitted by Aslan in the book The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. That very common theme in the first centuries of Christian writing. Jesus is our substitute, but he also comes as our champion. And when he dies, he takes on all the enemies that we could not defeat. We can't defeat sin. It's an enemy that's too big for us. We can't defeat the law because the law describes the law in the Bible, describes our sin. And it holds a mirror against the ugliness of our lives without God that we can't defeat it always defeats us. We can never measure up. We can't defeat death. Death has a one-in-one ratio. It comes to us all, but Jesus conquers the grave. And we can't defeat the devil, but Jesus can. And it's through him he took the weapons away of sin, the law, death and the devil. Each of them were swung at Jesus. And as they were swung at them from Satan's hand, they stuck into Jesus and he couldn't remove them. He disarmed death. He disarmed sin. He disarmed the principalities and powers. They have no weapon against Jesus that can prevail. He took them to the grave and he defeated them. I wonder if you feel trapped at the moment. Maybe being in lockdown at the moment, you're finding it very difficult. Or maybe you're trapped by a habit or a worry or a fear. You may have been, become so accustomed to it that it almost feels like it's part of you. However, in your most honest moments, you know that that's not really life-giving for you. You can be free. Jesus has taken things captive that used to take us captive so that he can give us freedom. He can set you free to be the person that you could be, the person that you long to be. He can set you free to follow him, to obey him, and to love people. You can know the peace of God. So this weekend that changed the world, that first Easter weekend, the events of that week made it possible for us to be forgiven, to have hope, to have freedom, to become members of God's family, and to know that we've got a future. In the film Back to the Future, um, the film ends with Doc Brown coming back from the future in the DeLorean, the time machine car, and he warns Marty McFly about the future. He said, it's your kids, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids. And the sequel's beautifully set up. The events of that first Easter weekend make it possible for Jesus to have done something about his kids, us. 1 John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we are is... What we will be, rather, has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. This Easter Sunday, you can know the forgiveness that Jesus can give. You can know the freedom that's possible in him. 
you can be welcomed into God's family and know that your future is secure. You simply need to say to Jesus that you acknowledge that he is God, that he died and rose again for you, that you want him to forgive your sins and become the Lord, the the ruler of your life, to come into your life by his spirit, to help you to live as a follower of Jesus. And you accept that gift and know that your eternity and your presence is secure in him. May you and your family have a very happy Easter. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.